love coach. Let's find out if you're ready for love. Here's your marvelous host, Nikki Lee. Hello, and welcome to Ready for Love Radio. This is your host and love coach, Nikki Lee. And today, I have got a visitor with me from L.A. His name is Todd Krieger, and we are going to talk about some awesome information to help people to uh, increase the passion and intimacy in their relationship, and particularly their long-term relationships. So if you or a friend or family member are in a relationship, then maybe it's gotten a little, eh, stale might be a little strong, but if you've if you kind of gotten into a rut, and you, you don't really have the passion that you used to have, and, and you don't really have the intimacy with your partner you used to have, this is a show you need to listen to. So let me just give you a little bit of background about my guest. He is a marriage and sex therapist who's helped couples create loving and passionate long-term relationships and helps single people find their soulmate. He has a talent for helping people become motivated to create new patterns in their lives that lead to more satisfying relationships and experiences. He is the author of The Long Hot Marriage. Don't you just love that title? It's a highly endorsed and regarded book for couples. And his brand new book is Love, Sex, and Karaoke, 52 Ways to Ignite Your Love Life. He has a private practice in Huntington Beach, California, and has been helping couples and individuals for 30 years, both in person and by Skype. In addition to his private practice, he helps people by teleseminars and webinars, live events, and with other promotional products. He has been a guest as a relationship expert on many radio and TV shows, including the Fox Morning News, KCAL 9 in LA, Playboy Radio, and was a featured therapist on the show Unfaithful on the Oprah Winfrey Network. Todd, it is great to have you with me today. Yeah, great to be here. Looking forward to it. I guess we're, we're going we're gonna to share some fun information, and I want people to just kind of relax, right. open their minds, and, and think about all the ways they'd like to improve their relationship with their significant other. So you can have a long-term relationship that stays hot, and we are going to tell you how to do that. That's right. Probably. That's right. That's right. When I first came out with my book, The Long Hot Marriage, my brothers asked me, oh, well, actually he said, I didn't know you write fairy tales. And I said, well, knock that off. No, it's not. It's not a fairy tale. It can happen. Yeah, but anyway, that's kind of the the prevailing joke, right? It can't happen. It sounds like my brother when I talk about my coaching. It's like, you know, you you just need to listen. (laughs) You just need to listen. That's right. Oh, gracious. I love your description, too, for... um, uh, love, sex, and karaoke uses why settle for a boring, routine, intimate relationship when you can take that same relationship and turn it into a stimulating, love-filled, joyful experience. Apply these 52 ways that can significantly shift your relationship into the one you dream of. You know, people. I, I think people need to, to think broader, look at the big picture, and say, you know what, I want a hot, passionate relationship. If you're going to have one, let's just do it right. That's true. Look, we have power inside of us. I mean, we really, really have power to create. And, you know, I was telling you a little bit before, interpersonal creativity is one of my buzz phrases. We could create an interpersonal. We, look, at any moment, we could keep things neutral. We could make it negative or we could create it, make it positive. The thing that stops us from making positive is oftentimes either fear because we cling to the same old patterns and ways of thinking and behaving. And it's also that that's what we've seen a lot of times in our life. 
we don't go around thinking, wow, I can make a difference right here. I could bring my partner's energy up right now, just right now. All I got to do is give my partner something that he or she will smile about. It doesn't take much, but there you go. we don't like think that. about it. That's good. Like I said, I, I hadn't thought about it that way, but I like that. You know, just, just, you know, we, we do things throughout the day to make other people smile. Yes. Shouldn't the person we care about that much be somebody that we really focus on making them smile? Absolutely. Absolutely. The thing is that, you know, we're married, we kind of adjust to the situation, and a lot of people end up becoming functional together. They, they work together, or maybe they at least run a household together, they're co-parents together, and they, they just... You know, when people first get together, they're automatically playful and sexy with each other. And as we continue in our relationship, it can, it can continue. But because other things get distract us, we just need to make it a conscious intention to say, well, I, could, I have a moment here. I could take this moment and I could um, have a positive effect on my partner. I am going to text her and say, you know what, I've been thinking about you. You have very sexy legs. I mean, something as little as that will bring a smile to a partner's face, uh, as well as being in person and hugging and kissing and smiling and show, expressing appreciation or setting up a date or going to Tahiti for two weeks. You know, so it could be from the smallest thing to the largest thing, we have the power to make a difference. You know, that's, that's something I tell people. Whether, whether personally or, or otherwise, is it's so awesome to just get a text from somebody because you know they thought about you and they took a second to say, hey, you know. You, and it, 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 it can be a wonderful text message, you know, that, that just makes you smile and, and you know, curls your toes. Right. But like, just, just the taking the, the moment to send a message is awesome because you're like, yeah. you know what, they thought about me and they just they made the effort to let me know about it. That is so Absolutely. cool. Absolutely. That's exactly awesome. right. And and I, I believe that before we started recording, we were talking about kissing and how this is a very par- important part of a relationship and people need to, to remember to kiss their partner every day. Kissing is great. Kissing is, you know, what, what happens with especially us men sometimes is we end up confusing sexual intercourse with sex. Now, sexual intercourse, I'm all for it. I'm a, I'm a fan. But it's not Talk always about the intercourse. It's about just the creating... Um, a positive intensity between each other and kissing passionate I'm not talking about a peck on the cheek or even a peck on the lips. I'm talking about a passionate kiss. You know, doing this consistently definitely changes, and I'm sure you'd agree with this, it changes the environment between the couple when they have a passionate kiss. It just, it could change your whole evening. You know, there's one thirty. I've had people that will come in, I don't know, I'm just so busy with the kids and everything, I don't have time to uh, be romantic with my partner. That is one woman say that with the husband right there. And I said, could you do something right now to make him feel wonderful? So she looked at him. She looked at me and says, what? I said, think of it. So she looked at him. She touched his face and gave him a nice little kiss. Nothing too long. Just a nice little kiss on his lips. And um, his eyes lit up. And I go, how'd that make you feel to the husband? She goes, it was great. So I said, how long did that take? She goes, I don't know. I said, I timed it. It was eight seconds. I said, that maybe should be the title of my next book, Eight Seconds to a Successful Marriage. <laughs> because <laughs> people, <laughs> it's like, you don't have the time? What do you think this takes? You know, to, to change the environment, to uplift it, to make it romantic, more sexual with a couple, takes seconds, at the most minutes, but really seconds. 
you know, to be successful in almost anything else could take hours, days, weeks, months, years. This takes seconds, and people say, I don't have the time for it. It's not about time. It's about, it's about making it a priority, valuing it, and making it happen. Well, see, it's, it's just like sending a message to somebody. Take a minute and just do it. Show, yeah. them, that you, show them that you want to have that contact with them. That's right. Absolutely. Just, uh, awesome. I, I think you and I are going to be good friends. I can just see what you're going to say more about some things. Look out, audience. Okay. So I, I think we can agree that there are a lot of people and too many people having a hard time making a long-term relationship, um, keeping the passion, keeping the intimacy, and really having a successful long-term relationship. Why, why do you think it's so difficult for people? Well, you know, I mean, I'm talking about the eight seconds and the ten seconds, and that's all great. But, you know, I think one of the main things is that there's pain. You know, we do get pain. You know, our partners disappoint us. They frustrate us. We get scared or angry. A lot of uh, unpleasant feelings that we haven't had role models. We haven't seen the parents and the grandparents deal with these feelings in a way that keeps the couple connected. So when the pain comes up, which is inevitable in every relationship, people start to disconnect. They have a series of fight or flight reactions, right? They either fight, bicker, or they withdraw from each other, and there's a disconnection. So what couples have to realize is that they need to learn how to stay emotionally connected and present with their partner, no matter what they're feeling, and that that ends up being sort of a portal to the good feelings again. I'll give you an example. I had a, I had a couple come in. They were not even married yet. They, were, they didn't know if they'd make it to the wedding, which was a week away. <laughs> you know? So they came in, and they just had a lot of anger and frustration with each other. So what I've done with them then and even since is that several times this has happened. They'll come in, and the woman, the, the new bride now, this is after they were married, right after, she goes, I'm so angry at him, I can't even look at him. So I said, okay, well, just move your body a little bit towards him and look at him right in the eyes. And she says, Todd, are you deaf? I just said, i so mad at him, I can't look at him. And I said, I understand. So now what I want you to do is go look at him. you know. And um, I said to him, now go look at her. He goes, I'm so mad too. I said, I know, I know, I know. What I want you to do is touch her hands and look at her right in the eyes. And I understand that there's a whole lot of resistance to that. But what we want to do is we want to make your connection with each other stronger than your pain. Because when your pain is stronger than your connection, you disconnect. So no matter what your pain is, I don't care if you're furious, which right now you are, look at each other in touch and now start to talk. So I had them do that, and she looks at him, and she says, I'm just so mad at you. And then the tears started coming down. You know, she softened immediately. He softened. He grabbed her hand. You know, I mean, it was within, again, a short period of time that they connected. But most couples, when they're angry, they don't do it. That's why a lot of couples do need a coach at first or a therapist like myself to help develop their emotional muscle so that they could stay connected so that the pain is just a speed bump rather than a 100-foot wall that they can't climb over. So I think... Right. You know, my long-winded answer to your question is that one of the main reasons why people lose their passion is because they disconnect. It's not the pain that is the problem. It's that they disconnect 
as a reaction to the pain as opposed to staying with each other, working through the pain and communicating, which is another thing I spend a lot of time with is how people can effectively communicate so they could get to the other side and suddenly want to kiss and and make out and have, you know, passion and sex and all that. Right. Yeah, communication is one of the things I like to focus on with people is, is you know, and, and I, I do this myself, have open, honest communication with the person and, and don't judge them. You know, let them right. have their say and they need to let you have your say right. and then work through whatever it is. Yeah, but we know that's easier said than done, right? Because we're yes. so protective of our ego and we're so protective of, you know, of any loss that we might feel. Or, you know, we want to be right. And so there's a lot of things that we do instead of developing that muscle to stay present, learning to give and receive communication, you know, express and listen. And it's, but the truth is it's really very, very possible. We just all have to be willing to do a better job than our ancestors. And we can. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and people need to remember that one of the most important parts of communicating is listening. Yes. You know, just be quiet and listen. Don't, don't second guess or, or be thinking about what you're going to say in response. Just stop, listen to what they're really saying, not what you think they're saying, because <laughs> it's not yeah. usually the same thing. And then once they finish talking, then make your comment in response to what they really said. Yes, I, yes. Uh, one of the things I tell people is they have to practice that that receptive state of listening. Mm-hmm. So I I give them like it, when we're doing a receptive state, you have no agenda temporarily at least. You drop it. You drop your agenda totally. It's all about the other person. So I would say, imagine you're out in nature. A lot of us we all love nature. Most of us do, and just. You're not thinking of anything. You have no agenda. You're just taking in the scenery. You're just taking it in. And when you're listening, it's the same way. You're just taking in your partner. You're taking in what the person's saying, what they're trying to express underneath what they're really saying. Just dropping your agenda and just being totally receptive. It's actually quite relaxing when you do that, when you, <laughs> when you stop trying to promote your agenda, like you said just now. What do I want to say? Okay, well, as soon as this person's done talking, I'm going to give a counterpoint. That's not being receptive. No, you know? it's not. You'll get your turn, you know, just like any board game, right? You, you, your person you're playing with, it's their turn, and then when they're done, play Monopoly, you've got to wait for them to buy their hotel, then it's your turn. Well, you know, so when you're <laughs> communicating, it's like, it's, it's not your turn yet. It's your turn when your partner feels heard by you. And how do you know that? You ask them sometimes. Well, do you feel like I got what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah, that's, it's, it's very different. So I do spend a lot of time with people. Like I've realized communication isn't just learning how to make I statements. It's actually learning to enter a state of mind that allows for good communication so that the person listening gets in that receptive state and so that the person expressing actually before they even open their mouths I ask them to imagine their partner as their most important ally even if right now you're mad at him oh, right. you know because you're going to speak differently to your ally than your enemy and if you speak to the partner like an enemy you're going to make it very hard for that person to not get defensive and, and, and drop their agenda and be receptive so it just works you know it's just like a you know, a cycle between two people that the expressor is talking as if you're my ally, the listener is dropping their agenda, being receptive. So, you know, there's really a lot to it, but once you master it, it 
you know, pain is not a big deal. You go right through it. And then you can get back to kissing and loving and hugging. <laughs> I, and I know it's not that easy, but, you know, just neither is learning uh, the violin, but, you know, or skiing or anything. Well, so, it, it, I mean, I know it's cliche, but anything worth doing is worth doing right. So put the effort into it. Yeah, and if a person, like, for example, I, I mentioned skiing, let's say a person masters, learns skiing, it takes a while to get there. You, you might fall a few times. But, boy, it gives you such a freedom to enjoy uh, a new sport. And, and a healthy, long, hot marriage gives us amazing benefits that we could really enjoy our lives so much more. We just have to develop the muscle. That's the thing. That's the difference. It's not a fairy tale. My brother's incorrect. It really can happen, but we do have to develop the muscle. And, uh, you know, that's really, it's about our willingness to do that. That's it. So, now, the second chapter in the book is called Beware of Your Perceptions of Your Partner. I like that. And actually, I've, I've, I've done several shows over the last couple of months where we're talking about perceptions and expectations and that sort of thing and, and how not having a clear idea of your expectations and, and perceptions can, can really cause you, to, you know, problems in relationships that, that you may not realize that's, that's where part of the problem is starting. Yes. So, so tell us about the maybe the warning signs and why we need to be careful about our perceptions of our partner. Very good. I love that question. I mean, it, it, that's very early in my book. And that is another challenge we have to ultimately having more romance because it's not just the pain and how we deal with it, but it's also our automatic perceptions of our partner that we have. What happens is, and this is what I've learned, is that, we all are much more unlimited than we realize, that we have a lot of potential. But if I perceive myself as a failure, let's say, I won't be a success. I need to perceive myself as a success even, be, even before I'm successful. So that we know, and a lot of these, a lot of people, motivational speakers, they all talk about that. I just take it another step further and I go, not only do we need to practice perceiving healthy perceptions of ourselves, uh, but we need to practice perceiving the best possible unlimited perception of our partner. So for another way, one way I use it would be, let's say, well, I think of a real couple I have had. Okay, so in this couple, the wife was very, very sexually conservative and inhibited. He wanted his wife to loosen up, but he saw her as pretty non-sexual. So what I did is I worked with her to claim her sexuality I always say I never change anybody. I just help people reclaim more of who they are. So we wanted to help her reclaim her sexual part. So, for example, she would need to do things like baby steps, maybe uh, in, by, by herself in front of the mirror do a sexy dance and then maybe take her clothes off and do a sexy dance and then maybe eventually work her way up to doing it in front of her husband. Well, her husband said, boy, if she does that to me, I'm going to laugh. And I said, well, why? He goes, because I don't see her that way. I said, I understand. You perceive her. It's like a locked-in perception. So I, he had to practice doing, like, I, I would say perceptual yoga. You know how we stretch? And he needs to stretch and see her not based on her history, but based on what's possible. And it's really a different way of living to go around imagining what we want and focusing on what we want rather than what we don't want that we already have. 
And so he needed to do that for her. And eventually he didn't laugh, and they flourished as a sexual couple. But this goes for anything. It goes for, you know, uh, if, I wanna, if, I, if my partner has a habit of not listening to me, and I perceive my partner as a person who doesn't listen to me, I'm going to talk with her as a person who doesn't listen to me. And I'm going to have a harshness to myself, my voice. Maybe there's something non-verbally she'll pick up, and she definitely will not listen. Versus imagining her as a listener, even if she hasn't proven it yet, and then me talking to her as if she was all that I wanted, and that the way I speak with her will probably bring out those very qualities in her. We are very, very, we, we communicate right brain hemisphere to right brain hemisphere, that emotional brain. And so I have to be aware of my perceptions because how I perceive you will be how I look at you, treat you, talk to you, and how I treat you and talk to you will be how you respond to it. So we're all kind of in this together, and we all have to bring the best out of each other. Yes, uh, you're responsible for your behavior, and I'm responsible for mine, but I surely can act in ways that will lubricate the friction. You know, it's hard enough to create healthier habits. I don't want to hold you down. I want to lubricate the process. So that's a lot of what that uh, chapter is about. Oh, that's interesting. I like that. Yeah. It's really amazing because you could experiment, which is one of my favorite words, experiment with how will if I perceive my partner the way I want her to be or him versus them the way they've been, let me see if I can affect their behavior. And I ask all your listeners to just experiment with that. Just do an experiment. See what happens. See if, if nothing changes, okay. But I'll tell you, my chances are that you'll get some kind of different response. I can almost guarantee it. That's good. I like yeah. that. Right. Yeah, creativity and experimenting. I like that. Yeah. Doing this. And, and courage, courage. Courage. A lot. You're so right, Nikki. I mean, it is about courage because, you know, it, we, we do the same old thing all the time, even if it makes us miserable, because it's predictable. So when we experiment, it takes courage because, first of all, we're making ourselves a little more vulnerable. When I see my partner as a listener, when they maybe haven't, and I, I soften a little bit and I treat her like an ally... I'm opening myself up to the possibility that I'll get hurt. But the only way to have the long, hot marriage is to be willing to get hurt. We can't live in a world of self-protection and think that we're going to have this phenomenal marriage. We can't. We, we have to be courageous and take that chance. Very true. All right. I like that. Okay, now romance. This is something that I hear people say, well, only women want romance, which I'm, I'm not entirely sure that's true. <laughs> but what are some examples of romance that yeah. people can, can use, and how is that important to having a long, hot relationship? Sure. Well, I define romance. I think you and I were kind of referring to it. I didn't call it that earlier. But I, I just simply define romance as anything I can do that lifts, uplifts my partner's energy. And I say that I'm married or I'm committed, whatever I am. I'm personally married, but people that are in a committed relationship that aren't married still, uh, this is all true for them. And that is that my job, part of my job in my marriage, is to uplift the energy of my partner in some kind of consistent basis. 
Obviously not constantly, because there are other things I need to pay attention to also in my life. But on some kind of consistent basis, I need to uplift her energy. So, for example, uh, I can, as I said before, send her a text, I've been thinking of you, you're so sexy. Very simple, takes five seconds. Right. Or I could uh, tell her, you know, I've been thinking about all the things I really appreciate about you. Because, you know, what gets us our attention are the things that annoy us because our pain always gets more attention. But right. if I start to think about it, then I could share that. That's very romantic. Along with all the, you know, typical romantic things, buying, buying her flowers makes, makes her feel like I'm thinking of her. Now, what you said is about men. I mean, men tend to do the uh, only women want romance is what we've heard. Of course not, because I want to be uplifted by my partner. So if my wife gives me flowers or writes me a little love note, and it brings a, it's going to bring a smile to my face. The couple mm-hmm. I talked about earlier when she just touched him and kissed him, you know, in as eight seconds. I mean, that's that's romantic, as, as and and so. It's very important because, again, we can because we have the power to make it happen. So why not utilize it? You know, if we have two legs that work, we don't hop all the time. We use both legs. If I have the capacity to make my wife shine my light a little bit and make her life a little brighter, then why not do it? People will say, well, I'm just not the romantic type. And I go, no, you haven't practiced being the romantic type. Just do something. What can you do that would uplift your partner's energy? I don't well, know. And well, ask. Yeah. <laughs> you can always ask. <laughs> well, and, and I'm a big proponent of actually watching and listening to your partner, whether they're talking to you, or there's a lot of ways to communicate without talking to one another. Some oh, some are yeah. fun, and other ones you, you need to pay attention to, too. Right. But the thing is, watch your partner's reaction. See the things you do, even even if it's something unintentional, that just makes them smile, that makes them happy, that kind of thing. And then, and then remember that and do it again. It, it, it isn't, to me, it's not about spending money, okay? It doesn't right. have to be, it doesn't have to come with a big price tag on it. Right. it. It's more important to me that it comes from the heart and the person really wants to, let's see, what am I trying to say? Um, wants to do something to make me happy. Yes. And like I said, that, that certainly doesn't have to be anything big and flashy and all that kind of thing. So, you know, don't – and well, that's why, too, I, wanted, I started with, you know, what is romance and what are some examples? Because some people, if you say, you know, you need to show romance in your relationship, they just kind of tune you out, you know, or, or it's like the being of the teacher, is blah, 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 you know. So, right. so understanding that there's a whole lot of really easy, you know, free, inexpensive, easy-to-do kind of things that can be considered romance it's going to make your partner happy, I think it's an important thing to bring out to people. Absolutely. It, it, you know, I, and I would say whether, it invests, whether you have to spend money or not, it's irrelevant, like you say. Now, obviously, it's surely nice to take your partner to a really nice dinner or take mm-hmm. them on a nice vacation. That's great, but that's not, that's not enough. I mean, you don't do that enough to, for it to be enough. It's those little things that truly make make the environment between the couple wonderful and you know you could buy a a 25 a a bouquet of 24 roses you could bring one rose um i i think that oftentimes they're equivalent in terms of the effect that it has Mm -hmm. on the partner 
So I'm not discouraging your listeners from going out and spending money or, or buying a nice bouquet of roses. I'm just saying we want to think about it a little differently. It's all about what uplifts my partner. And I like the way you said it. What uplifts you is when you feel like your partner showed the desire to, up, to make you feel good. And it's, that's the most important thing. Yep, never, never underestimate that. That's big. Right. I like that. <laughs> yeah. The desire. You, yeah, it's like you, you have thought of me enough that you want, you desire to make me feel good. That is why you did it. That's, a, that's powerful. Yes. That is very powerful. Yes, it is. Okay. Now, the next thing I want to ask about is something I think, I think quite a few people have an issue with. And I, I think that family, society, and religion are a reason people have an issue with this. You may not agree with me. <laughs> but you've got I think I'm agreeing with you before you even ask the question. Go ahead. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I thought you were going to get along. <laughs> okay. You have an entire chapter dedicated to receiving mm-hmm. in the bedroom. I right. love that. Yes. Okay. Because so many people, and, and I think especially women, have been told, give, 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 give. Okay. Giving is wonderful. And the thing is, you can, you can generate so much love and happiness for yourself by giving to your partner. But in order for your partner to have that same joy, you have to be willing to and able to receive pleasure from them. So tell us tell us some about your, your chapter about receiving in the bedroom. That's great. I thought you were going there. See, I was right. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I do, I'm a big, I love givers. Givers are great, giving of ourselves. But I've had couples come in where the problem is the opposite problem, that there's some people that are really terrible at receiving. Maybe, right. maybe they grew up in a family where, just an example, they were the oldest uh, the parents, one of the parents were alcoholic. They had to be very responsible. They had to grow up really fast and not be young and take care of the other siblings. I mean, it could be many scenarios, but that's just one typical one where as adults they grow into being very, very giver. They're givers. They've, they've taken care of people their whole lives. So right. they do that, but suddenly they don't feel like having sex maybe. Their, their desires waned and their partner's complaining about it. And then the wife will, uh, and I've heard this expression many times, and I bet you have too, the wife will give him sex, uh, even as ministers, twice a week. And she goes, why is he complaining? And I'll say, well, he's complaining because he wants to feel that you want to have sex with him. And why would you? Because you're doing it as a service. Two of my least favorite phrases in a marriage is, I give my partner sex and I never withheld sex. I'm like, okay, you're starting off on the wrong foot right there. Right <laughs> Let's on. start with that. Yeah. What do you mean withhold sex? You're making it sound like it's only about your partner. Sex exactly. is for you too. Yeah, you're right. So why spend time with people trying to ask themselves questions they've never asked themselves before? Like, what do I want? Now, sometimes we start outside the bedroom because they're, they're so bad at receiving they got to go, well, what do I want? And then I have them practice starting a sentence with, could you do me a favor? And it's very strange for some people that are givers. And some of your listeners, they'll, they'll totally know what I'm talking about. That, you know, can, I, can you do me a favor? And I just, I'm comfortable in this sofa seat. Could you just grab me a glass of water? Something even like that. But it gets them beginning the practice of asking for what they want. And then we move it to the bedroom. And you go... What do I want? How do I want to be touched? 
And they might say, I don't even know. I go, well, that's, again, where you experiment, <laughs> same word, and you just say, what might I want? And you try it. You know what? I don't want to have sexual intercourse right now. What I want you to do is I want you to touch my patella, <laughs> my kneecap. <laughs> I don't care what it is, you know. Um, but it, it's like just whatever you decide you want, and you ask, and you become the director of your own touching and, and sensuality with your partner and, and in, but it's mostly of course the mindset of this is for me yes it is for you and so they need to really practice receiving and the partner sometimes not always but sometimes the person who's a really good giver marries someone who's a really good taker and so what's good for the goose is good for the gander, you know? So what happens is as she's practicing, and it doesn't have to be, I'm doing gender, it could be the other way around. It could be reverse roles. But let's say in this case she has been a giver. She needs to learn how to ask for what she wants. And what it helps is it helps the husband be more of a giver, be a little more patient, delay gratification, and tune into her and bring her into what, you know, her sexuality. And if the partner, if the husband in this example starts to go, Oh, man, this is, I've had one couple, just give you an example, Nikki, that she didn't want to have, ever have sex, and he wanted to have sex every day. And <laughs> they've been married a long time, and uh, they were a crack-up of a couple, but he, she, again, we did this with her, she needed to direct it, and I said to her and him, for the next month, it's not about sexual intercourse at all. He goes, you're killing me, you're killing me. I said, no, I'm not, I'm not. As a matter of fact, once she wants to have sex with you, you'll have more sexual intercourse. Now she's giving you sexual intercourse. But, but that's, that's, I want her to experience pleasure with you without sexual intercourse. We had to start step one, step two. Sometimes what happens is they get way ahead of me and then they do have sexual intercourse before I even ask them to, but she's totally in a receptive mode too. too. She's receiving as well as giving. And this particular man... Till this day, and this is eight years later, he'll once in a while call me up. And this is a guy now in his 60s. He goes, I just want to thank you. <laughs> he'll call me up. I just want to thank you. You know, it's very funny. He says, we have sex every other day, and sometimes she doesn't want to, so it's every third day, but she wants to. And it's great. I said, great, congratulations. You know, but that that, awesome. they did the work. So. That's it. That's so cute. I like that. Yeah. So... What would you say if I asked you for the single most important statement that you could make about what makes a phenomenal sexual partner and who doesn't want to be a phenomenal partner? That's great. That's great. Well, I think you're asking me one, so let me think about the one. The one thing that makes a person a phenomenal sexual partner is to be courageous. You know, we need to be risk takers. We need to try new things, but also share of ourselves and be open and honest in the bedroom. You know, communication is not, I mean, that's not, that's, that enhances sex life. That's not a bad thing. You know, people sometimes think that sex should be just spontaneous. We should right away know what each other wants. makes no sense. You know, if I'm taking dance lessons actually on Tuesday, so tonight I have a dance lesson with my wife, and we That's learned cool. some new steps last week. We were terrible together at first, you know, and we just, it was new steps. We didn't get the hang of it. We're not very good at it, so we got to practice, and in, in the bedroom, 
to think that we need to be sexual virtuosos without communicating and learning and adapting and adjusting is it's not reality it's fantasy and so what we want to do is be courageous and be open and communicate what we feel and what we want what feels good what doesn't sometimes what felt good last week or last year doesn't feel good now you know That's we, what I'm thinking <laughs> yeah we change, so we need to we courageously be open, courageously communicate, and learn to not hide. The best relationships are the ones where they are transparent with each other and totally open. And that's easier said than done because we've learned to protect ourselves and we don't want to be seen. We don't want to be rejected, especially by our partner. So I think right. that kind of Openness is really what makes uh, a great lover. And, you know, related to that is that also helps us become more sensitive lovers because we, we're more tuned in to each other. Right. right. Yeah. Definitely. Well, definitely pay attention to the person, you know, the way they're reacting to you, what they're saying, what they're not saying. You know. What they're not saying. You keep saying that. It's so good. You're right. So much of <laughs> our communication is nonverbal. I think they say like 93% of it is nonverbal. And so... Yes, that's what we need to do. And, you know, being in the bedroom, also nonverbal smiling, flirting, it takes courage. I mean, we don't realize it, especially when we've developed a, a, a routine in our relationship where it's a little bit too neutral and not right. enough eroticized. We need, right. to, we need to be awkward with our partner sometimes. That's a f- funny statement in a way, but when we're first going out, we're definitely teenagers, they're really awkward because they're learning new things. Right. So to be a phenomenal sexual partner, we've got to be willing to be adventuresome and share something new. And it doesn't necessarily mean hanging from the chandelier. Or do, it's not just positions. Or It's more about communication and openness and how we touch and where we touch. And, uh, you know, there's so many things, you know, what, we, what parts of our body we use to touch. But we want to experiment and be open. That's it. And you're right about you said something about being non-judgmental. We want to make a pact that we're not going to judge, that we're welcoming newness and novelty, and that if it doesn't work, okay, we share. That didn't work. That didn't feel good. Let's try something new. But we don't want to judge. We want to create an environment of safety so that it's, it's an, it, we can have an adventurous relationship both in and out of the bedroom. That's it. Well, and I was... I was just talking to a friend the other day, and it's like, you know, even even if you try something and you don't enjoy it, there's a whole lot of other things to try, and you, you've taken the first step. You've started, you know, bringing new things into your relationship with your partner. Yeah. So, you know, and, and the thing is, too, I was thinking, and you kind of touched on this, is that in a long-term relationship, what you want, what you need, what you enjoy is going to change. It's going to evolve over time, especially if you're together for a long time. Sure. So don't think what you did on date one or date fifteen or whatever is going to be good ten years later because you, you need you need to try different things. Like so you you don't have to go all Fifty Shades of Grey on on the person, but you know, <laughs> and I hate that book by the way. Right, but, me too. So, I try um, to get through it, but yeah. Uh, I, I, I yeah I read the excerpt but no. <laughs> so, I thought it was my obligation to get through it, but I just it just got I got bored. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just yeah. I, I'm all into eroticizing things, but she can't do it. <laughs> she hasn't got the skills. Right. Anyway, Nilly's not on paper. I don't know anything else. Mm-hmm. 
you know, but and, and like I said, especially as as you know, as, as people age, and I've, I've done quite a few articles and and on my blog about you know how how what we want and what we need, um, what we're capable of. All of these things change and evolve over time. So the thing is, don't be afraid to try something new. You know, and and you might want to talk to your partner about it before you're naked in bed. <laughs> you know, that way it's it's not such a personal slap in the face kind of thing if, if they're like no. You know, don't say say something to them when there's less pressure. It's kind of a pressure situation, you know, when you're already in bed. You're like, hey, I want to try blah blah whatever it is. Right. You know, if I you agree. have that kind of relationship, go for it. But, sure. but you know, you should know if you don't. Yeah, it's uh, good to communicate what we want with our clothes on. It is. Right. Be in times when we could just share. No, that doesn't mean you can't be spontaneous, but it's it's good to <laughs> practice exploring these feelings and realizing that. That part of communication is communicating our sexual fantasies. You know what? You know what is it that's important to us? What we like, what we don't like, that's really important. And the other thing I'd want to say too is we have to practice not being judgmental with ourselves. I think another right. block is people thinking they have to look perfect uh, or look great. And there's a lot of it's, sexiness is a mindset. We don't yeah. have to have perfect bodies. You know, not all of us are going to be 23 forever. As a matter of fact, none of us will be 23 forever. And Thank so you. we need to you know, move beyond that and and have a mindset of that. I, I can't tell you how many couples that are, don't have perfect bodies that have helped them uh, have a sexy relationship because they are not hiding. They're they're not getting undressed with the lights out. They're they're just getting out in the in the in the light and being seen. Again, courage takes courage. Right. Right. Very true. Okay, now now looking over the table of contents for love, sex, and karaoke, I found a couple that kind of really jumped out at me. So I want to I want to kind of dig into a couple of these with you. Sure. <laughs> you never know what I'm going to come up with. Okay. I don't have the book in front of me, but maybe I haven't memorized. You would think I did since I wrote it, but go ahead. I, I will actually tell you what it was, and then you can you can explain. How about that? I just saw the book. It's right here. I had it after all. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> and, I, and I want an autograph copy. Okay. Sure, so, you got it. Tip, tip number nine jumped out at me. It says, the relationship between radical self-acceptance, risk-taking, and a juicy relationship. I love that. So, so explain yeah. that to us. Well, you know, we just were talking, it's perfect time because we were just talking about it, you know. We, we need to, um, to have what I call radical self-acceptance. It's like, what is it? I'm, again, I have couples come into my mind as I'm talking to you. So one couple that are in their early 30s, they're not, they have young, young twins. They have a year and a half old twins. She isn't. She doesn't have a perfect body, a very, what I would say, kind of a sweet, angelic face. And the hardest thing for her to accept is the fact that she has a little too much weight on, around her belly. So. Radical, which, you know, who doesn't? I mean, I shouldn't say that, but so many people do. But radical self-acceptance is when we find the thing that is hardest for us to accept and we, we practice letting go of any judgment of ourselves. We need to take the position that we're okay no matter what the reaction of others, including our intimate, intimate partner, that... I don't care what you think and feel. I have a stance of I'll be okay no matter what. You know, I was about to go on uh, the Channel 9 News in L.A. or L.A. Orange County, and this was a few years ago, talking about dodging divorce. And as I got into CBS Studios, 
I realized, oh my God, I to- my mother's going to watch me. I've been in other TV shows before, but this is local television, you know, a main Uh-oh. station, and my mother, my wife, my kids, my friends, my Facebook friends, my clients, my co- I teach at USC, some of my college professor peers, but mostly my mother. And I went, oh, what if this is the time I freeze? And this is where I practiced radical self-acceptance. I said, look, I have an hour to go. I don't want to be stressed for the whole hour I'm waiting to go on TV. I decide that I am going to be with me and love me even if I freeze and don't say anything. And my mother's jaw drops, <laughs> jaw drops watching the live television. I'm going to still love me no matter what. Why? Because I could decide it. I'm with me no matter what. So that was an example of radical self-acceptance. And, of course, you know, I went in there really relaxed and it went really well because I had nothing to lose. So radical self-acceptance kind of lowers the stakes of what, what our worst fear could possibly be. The truth is what we're really afraid of is feeling bad about ourselves. So if I could practice being, a, being like, that's a firm, strong decision. I'm okay with me no matter what. Now I'm willing to do a strip tease in front of my husband or my, or now I'm willing to share something that may be embarrassing, but I want to share the truth about my sexual fantasy, talking about the bedroom. But it can be, again, in or out of the bedroom. But really, right. it allows us to take risks. And, and have, you know, that juicy relationship comes when you have people risking and not being boring. And why are people boring? They're boring typically because they are living too safely. And they're living too safely because they're afraid of failing. So that's why radical self-acceptance is such an important ingredient. You know, we want to be free to express what we feel and want. Take more initiative. I'm cheating. I'm reading what I wrote. But what you call <laughs> it, take more initiative, be more vulnerable. You know, we want to try new things. So, yeah, and, we, and it allows us to take chances and surprise our partner in new ways, too, which breaks up the familiarity, which is very great. You know, it's terrific when you could do that. Awesome. All right. All right. Let me see. How about tip 18, start to shift your self-perception? Yes. And that, that is actually uh, a derivative from my first book, right, The Long Hot Marriage, that chapter. But, and I, I, I write, if you've read my book, The Long Hot Marriage, you know I discuss the importance of shifting perceptions. Uh, of uh, your partner but we again we have to shift our perceptions of ourselves and oftentimes what I'll say to people is um, what is the opposite of you (laughs) and they'll say well I'm really shy so I guess the opposite of me is being really extroverted I said okay so I want you to imagine yourself as extroverted are you going to an event coming up soon she goes yeah I have a family get-together Okay, so what I want you to do is go to the get-together, just be like 10 minutes late, fashionably late, and I want you to go in there and high-five everybody in the room before you, you, know, before you sit down. That's not who I am. I said, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's that is who point. you are. Practice perceiving yourself as this fun, wild person. You know? Now, the person that's always taking over the room and talking too much, they need to practice shutting their mouths, <laughs> being quiet, See yourself as a listener who's very interested in people rather than always having to be interesting and funny. Why don't you practice being interested in other people? And so always help them practice through their behavior and also, but of course through their perceptions. 
like just being more pliable. And you can see though the way I work with it is a lot of it is like being more pliable, not being locked in to one way of thinking about ourselves. I'm a shy person, I'm going to act like a shy person. Or I am an extrovert, so I always have to act like an extrovert. No, we don't. We can shift our perceptions and create a little more of a full-bodied person, which can lead to a more of a full-bodied relationship. Interesting, I like all that. Yeah, because if I start to shift what some parts of me, I could tell you that I'm also unbalancing my partner in a certain way, because... I'm changing my dance steps, so they change theirs. And, it's, it, again, it adds newness to the relationship. Right. Oh, interesting. Yeah. All right. We, we're running close on time, but I think I have time to get one more in. <clears throat> and this, this actually came up in a, a group discussion on Facebook last night. Uh-huh. It says, do you want a great sex life? Then start talking. Ah. Uh. I love that. That communication yes, I, thing again. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I have a workbook called Great Communication, Great Sex. It's a work and a CD. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's on my website too because I think it's just so linked. And you know, talking. We I know many of us men don't need a lot of talking to be aroused, but it's a myth to think that we don't need it at all. And some men need it more than others. And we know that most women definitely need to feel emotionally connected in order to feel physically connected. And, uh, you know, they, that, that's just very, very important. There's an expression, men are like microwaves, women are like crockpots. And there's some truth in that. There's a lot of truth in that, even though, again, I see sometimes role reversals. But for the most part, that's true. And we need to talk. We need to share. We need to have conversational intimacy, even in, in order to have physical intimacy, and I know a lot of these men, they go, oh, man, I'm not good at communicating. I said, well, you're going to have to get better at it, even if it's your weakest link. We have to develop that feeling skills, the ability to share and to listen and to be interested if we want our partner's oxytocin level of race so that they're going to want to have sex with us. <laughs> That's one of the things is when we share feelings, the female's oxytocin level raises. So... I, I try to convince the men. I, I sell them on it. I said, do you want to raise your wife's oxytocin? Because if you do that, she want to make love to you. Really, what do I got to do? You got to talk about your feelings and be interested in hers. Really? Yep. Sorry. Don't kill the messenger. <laughs> That's just how it is. <laughs> you came to me. <laughs> yep. Yep. you. Okay. Yeah. So let's, let's let the listeners know, where can they find more information about you and about your books? And, uh, sure. You've got, a, you've got a website and you've got a Facebook page, don't you? And a Twitter account. i got Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and all. But, yeah, I think the easiest thing would be to go to my website, uh, which is just my name. I'll spell it, but it's uh, www.toddkrieger.com, T-O-D-D-C-R-E-A-G-E-R.com. And for, in the website, there's blog articles of on infidelity. I work a lot with infidelity and, and of course, sexuality, which we've been talking about and how to increase passion, and all aspects of relationships, communication. And so there's a lot of articles. There's videos. They should sign up for my email newsletter. That would be great. It's easy to do I'm, that. I'm just signing for that this afternoon, too. I saw that you did. And so, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's great because, uh, you know, you're going to get a lot of information. It's not, I don't go crazy with emails, but you get Todd's Thursday's Thought for Relationship Bliss every Thursday, and, 
every other Tuesday there's either an article or a video. So there's just a nice amount of information, and then there are oftentimes a few extra announcements, such as I'm going to be on a show with Nikki you know, or whatever. You know, so I let people know those kinds of events. Uh, as well, but uh, they should sign up for that. And there's great products, and I'll be happy to work with any of your cli- uh, any of your listeners v- via Skype, unless they're really living here in Orange County. But most of them probably aren't. I do a lot of work on Skype if they need some direct help, and I think a lot of times we really do. It really is helpful to get a guide to help us, sort of like a trainer developing your emotional muscle just like a trainer developing your physical muscle at a gym, and it can be really helpful. The, the, the products, as well as my services, can all be helpful. That's it. Yeah, and my, I guess I said my email is todd at toddkrieger.com, and uh, I guess I'll give my phone number 714-848-2288. That's all the contact information you really need. And, and I use both of those, and I did get them, so they do work. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yes. Well, and, and your Facebook page is facebook.com slash well, relationship. Yeah, my, yeah, my business page is, is facebook.com uh, slash relationship breakthrough. Relationship breakthrough. Very and, good. Uh, you'll see the name of, of my company, Todd Krieger Center for Successful Relationships. So oh. uh, yeah, sign up for that. And again, you'll get other – and there you get that and you get other stuff too that – um, my team puts on for me because I I'm, I can't do it all, and you get great articles from me as well as from some other places that are really good, really relevant. Very good. Well, anytime you want to do a guest post on my site, just let me know. I'm happy to include that for you. So definitely sign me up. And um, yeah, I'm I'm looking over the the seven step, the seven keys that you send out when people sign up. And yes. I love the last one, folks. This is do not wait for your partner to initiate anything. You need to be the courageous one. I yes, like don't wait. Don't wait. The last thing I want to do <laughs> is depend on my wife for good marriage. You know. Now, hopefully she's thinking the same thing, but I don't want to wait for her because I have the power to make things better, and I could help her. I could bring out more of what I want. Yeah, that you get automatically when you sign up for the uh, email. So, you do? Like I said, I just signed up this afternoon, right. and, and it was in my email box. Seconds later, so we're, we're good. Right. <laughs> good. Glad it's working. <laughs> Isn't it nice when it works? Yes. <laughs> okay, so listeners, you can find uh, all the information on my coaching site, which is www.lovecoachjourney.com. I'm also on Facebook and share interesting little comments and thoughts and, and memes that come out during the week. It's facebook.com slash are you ready for love and look for a flaming heart. You'll know that's my page. And I'm also on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash ready, the number four, love radio. So all of the information about upcoming shows and all of that information is on all three all those accounts. So is, is there any last minute something you'd like to share? Like, we're almost out of time. We have about a sure. minute and a half. Sure. Well, I'm on Twitter, too, under Todd Krieger, my name, just Todd Krieger, and uh, it's easy to find. And in terms of just a, a parting comment, it's that don't be dismayed if you feel, as, as you're listening, that, that your relationship needs improvement. We all are in the same boat, and we want to develop our emotional muscle, and we can. We can do that, and we can utilize the, 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 the courage that we have inside of us and we could be creative, and there's help for people such as me that could guide if need be. So 
go for it and dream a little bit. And just like in any other parts of our life, don't settle. We don't settle in terms of our careers. We don't settle in terms of many things. We, why settle in our relationships? Let's, let's go for it because it's possible. The long, hot marriage is not a fairy tale. It's, it's possible, and why not enjoy a phenomenal relationship? Know, know what you want and need realistically from a relationship. Know yes. what you bring and what you offer the other person in a relationship. Yes. And then see what they want and need and see if those things are compatible. Exactly. We need, to, so, we need to ask those questions of ourselves. What do I want? And what do you want? And the, you know, just, just going for it. No, no holding back. No need to. Sometimes no need you to All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I, like I said, I had a feeling we were going to be in agreement on quite a few things, and, and I think we've actually already talked about you coming back and doing another show, too. So, I, but I we're not going to tell them what that's about yet. Let, let them tune in later and find out about that. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. Love it. All right. Listeners, we hope that you got some great information. Um, if you would like to listen again, the easiest thing to do is to go to my site, and remember, every Thursday night at nine, well, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. So, Todd, it was awesome having you with me today. Thank you. And same here. Felt the same way. Awesome. And listeners, are you ready for that? <laughs>